Good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shu Untied. This morning, I'm thrilled and honored to have with me my guest, Professor John Hennessy, who's the founder of MIPS, who is an entrepreneur, president of Stanford University, chairman of uh, Google Alphabet, uh, now the author of a very interesting book called Leading Matters. Uh, Professor Hennessy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. Delighted to be here. So let me start by asking you, you've obviously had an incredible career. You've done a lot of different things. What are sort of like two or three things that kind of stand out in your mind that are sort of that you're you know, most either most proud about or just, you know, just stand out in your mind? Well, I, I began as, a, as an academic and a researcher, really, and I think certainly I've really treasured those things I was able to do, particularly in the 80s as we developed the ideas of what became risk computing and really saw that technology take off. That was a thrilling time with an incredible group of highly accomplished graduate students who have all gone on to great careers. So that would be first. I think, I think second, I, um, during the time I was president, I really put a lot of focus on student access and accessibility and the issues of financial aid. And we were able to do incredible things for our undergraduate students, for students in our teacher preparation program, as well as for uh, graduate students, PhD students. Um, and that, that's something I take great pride in, seeing students who – before, never would have even contemplated Stanford because they would have gotten mm. sticker shock when they looked at the price or able to attend the institution. And I guess third, what I'm doing now is something I'm really excited about, uh, the fact that we were able to get the Knight-Hennessy program going, and we've got a really incredible, our first cohort of 50 students, they're just incredible. They're from around the world. They've got incredible stories, and they're highly accomplished, intellect, in, in, intellectually capable people who are devoted to making a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Interesting. One of the things I always like to ask people who've had incredibly accomplished careers is, you know, how does this compare with any childhood dreams you might have had? What did you, what did you, you, what did you want to do when you were a young child? Well, I was always a tinkerer, and I probably was always bound for a scientific or an engineering uh, career from the beginning. Uh, I think turning into an academic career was not what I originally contemplated. It was something I got interested in when I was an undergraduate, had an opportunity to do some teaching and working with fellow students, uh, and that got me interested in that. But I, I was always an engineer, and my interest actually in computing dates back to my years in high school. So mm -hmm. I, I found that I had both a fascination with the field as well as some alignment of brain and and what uh, being a computer scientist requires, and that really helped. So you definitely consider yourself an engineer at heart. And definitely yeah, helped. absolutely. I mean, computer science is basically an engineering discipline. It, yeah, it's yeah. based more on math than on some of the traditional physics or chemistry disciplines, but it's definitely – it, it, you build things. <laughs> That's okay. what engineers do. <laughs> definitely. Well, I was an engineer myself, so I know what you mean. Um, were you surprised how much you were drawn by academics? I mean, because that does seem kind of far afield at one level. Were you surprised at how that yeah continue? and I think for me it's a it's a it's a dual it's a dual fascination one is I, I absolutely love teaching I love being in the classroom mm. I love helping students master something I love seeing that surprise that twinkle in their eye when they really understand uh, something deeply um, but I also have loved being a researcher being at the front uh, forefront of a field and solving problems in new territory where people haven't yet haven't yet gone. Hmm. When you took the job originally to be president of Stanford, did you think it would? How long did you think you were going to do it for when you first? Oh, took it? I probably <laughs> thought about ten years. You know, I'm my 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 sort of uh, administrative leadership roles 
were sort of the classic um, frog in the, bot- in the pot of water where you turn the temperature up and before you know it, the frog's boiling and mm-hmm. cooking himself. I-, I never intended to head into the administrative side. I loved being a regular academic. Mm. But I, bit by bit, I got drawn into it. And I thought I would be president for about 10 years, mm. and I ended up staying 16. Mm. So that was, uh, that was a remarkable, unexpected twist. What made you decide to end that at all? Just it was time to move on? It was what? time to move on and I think time to bring in somebody new and to tell the, to say the truth. I had accomplished what I had wanted to accomplish and I probably – I wasn't the right person to develop the next set of ideas which would take the university forward the next step. Mm-hmm. That, that belonged to somebody else who would then spend a decade more doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me about your book that you wrote, The Leading Matters. Tell me why, why, why did you decide or why did you think you wanted to write this book to begin with? That's a great question. I, I, the, my real motivation was people – as we began to develop the Knight-Hennessy program, um, several people challenged me about, well, what are, you, what are you going to teach about leadership? What are the lessons? What are the characteristics you want to both look for in candidates for your program and help instill and develop in others? And I've found in the past the two ways I know to really force myself to think through what's important, what are the key principles, what are the key ideas. There are two ways to do it. One is you teach it or you write it. <laughs> and those force you to – there's no squirming, no yeah, if, yeah, ands, yeah. or buts in that. You've got to get it down and really and really get it right. So I, I got, was convinced by a number of colleagues that I should try to write it down and mm-hmm. write down some of my own experiences and share the characteristics that I thought – and the techniques that were important. Mm-hmm. What did you learn most from yourself from, from doing the process of actually writing that book? Then? I, I think I learned two things. First of all, I, I learned how hard it is to write a book on those <laughs> subjects. Uh-huh. I, um, you know, If you look at the other books I've written, they're textbooks mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. engineering textbooks. You proceed in a very logical fashion from A to B to C, right? Um, and, and it's very concrete what you're talking about. Examples are really they're clear and they're quantitative in nature. Uh, now you're talking about, uh, okay, talk about humility, mm-hmm. uh, talk about innovation, uh, t- talk about uh, how you inspire people. Um, and they're different. They're softer things, mm-hmm. which is why I decided to shape the book around a set of stories that illustrate mm-hmm. how those key characteristics mm-hmm. were important. What was the hardest thing about writing that book then, would you say? The hardest thing was probably deciding what to put in and what to leave out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I wanted a book that was short. I wanted a book that could be read on a flight from San Francisco to New York City, mm-hmm. uh, not really long, and, and that was really focused and that tried to give people something they could remember. Mm-hmm. So with, when they I, – I, I'm great at remembering stories about things. Mm-hmm. When I think about examples of other great leaders, I remember a story about them, right? Mm-hmm. I remember an mm-hmm. anecdote about Lincoln or I remember an anecdote – uh, about FDR, another great leader, and how they dealt with a complex situation that was difficult. Mm. And, and it comes down to that story. Mm. What did they do? What did they weave together? Mm. So I wanted something that would catch people's attention mm-hmm. in the same way. Well, I don't want to give away everything in your book, but tell me, I mean, what is the most important thing about being a great leader? Because we do read a lot of things about leaders, and we, you know, what is, when you, what in your mind is the most important quality about being So I think the characteristic that people find that I put in there a, a little unusual is is humility. And I uh, – for, first of all, I think we need a little more humility in some <laughs> of our leaders right now. Um, but I put it there for a very important reason. I believe y- humility gives you the self-confidence to ask for help, mm. to realize that you don't know everything. 
One of the great advantages of being in an academic institution is you realize, except for a very thin sliver of topics, there is somebody in the institution who knows more about every single topic in the world than you know, including their undergraduates who know more about most things than you know. That's a humbling, that's a humbling thought. And it makes you realize that if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're fooling yourself. So let's think about how you ask and engage other people and how you send a message that their work is important, their mm. contribution mm. is important. Mm. It's not a one-person operation. Mm. It, it, it's a team. Mm. And that, so I think that was important for me as a, as a building initial concept. Mm. What about the idea of when I, look, when I think about leadership, I think of someone who's able to inspire people. Mm. Do you think that's important or underrated or overrated? Where do you see No, that? I think it's important. In fact, the last chapter of the book is, is I call it storytelling. How do, how do you inspire people? Mm-hmm. How do you lead them to somewhere where they, where they realize they want to go, but they're not exactly sure what the path is or where the end state is? Um, and I, I call it storytelling because it's about weaving a story. It's about telling somebody mm. something they'll remember in a mm. – I mean, you know, Abraham Lincoln was a great storyteller. He mm. used to have these stories that would put in people's minds the key concept he wanted them to have. And so that, that was really critical for me. You know, when we, were, when we were thinking about what eventually became the Knight-Hennessy uh, scholarship program – I had a vague outline of what I wanted to do. I needed a story that could convince people that this could make a really big difference Mm. in the world. Mm. So weaving that story and figuring out how to do it by analogy to other programs and what we could do at Stanford was key. Now, you've seen a lot of leaders, I'm sure, good ones, bad ones, not so good ones. Um, Do you think leadership is something that really can be learned or is it something you either just have it or you don't? Is it like being an athlete? You're either Michael Jordan or you're not. I think there's a there there's a calling. First of all, you have to want to do it. I think one of the most important chapters in the book is is leadership as service. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a believer in the mm-hmm. servant leader model. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I often say that uh, the way I think about my leadership role when I was president of the university is it's an upside down pyramid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I'm at the I'm at the <laughs> apex, but the apex is at the bottom supporting all the people who are doing the work of the university, mm-hmm. and I think that's an important concept. It's important for, and that, that was something that a former dean of engineering told me. Hmm. Take the job of dean because you want to serve students and your fellow faculty mm-hmm. colleagues. That's mm-hmm. why you should take the job, mm-hmm. not because you get a title or a fancy mm-hmm. office or various mm-hmm. other things, but because you want to do that. And I, I, I think that's something you can tell people. This is what real leadership is. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a leader, you should understand mm-hmm. you're you're going to be mm-hmm. a servant to the people in the institution mm-hmm. you're leading. So I think those are those are characteristics. There's obviously some uh, ingrown things, right? You're you're either ethical or you're not ethical. Mm-hmm. I mean, figuring out those kinds of things. I think the rest of the skills can be taught. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're teaching our scholars how to how to tell their story, mm-hmm. how to tell me in five minutes what's shaped you and brought you to this point in your life, and how do you shape that story in a way that's compelling and that you can give to somebody and they'll understand it quickly. So that's a skill we can teach people. Well, I realized, I know you said one of the important qualities is humility, but how would you rate yourself as a leader? I mean, do you, do you think you were pretty good? Did you feel like you were a natural leader? How, how would you no, rate I, yourself? I'm not a natural leader. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I learned the hard way. I'm sort of not. I'm a little on the shy side, so I had to... I had to learn that skill. I had to learn how to respond when it's your turn to stand up. Everybody also shapes their own opportunities around where their skills are. So, for example, 
I'm not a great public speaker. I'm I'm passable public mm-hmm. speaker. But I'm really good in a Q&A setting and an informal discussion, fireside chat kind of mm-hmm. setting. That's where I can really deal well because I have a broad knowledge and lots of history and experience. Um, so you try to shape your leadership opportunities mm. where, okay, I'm going to give a five-minute speech, and then we're going to have 20 minutes of Q&A <laughs> because that will be – and it's more interactive. People mm. enjoy it more mm. than hearing a long mm. speech. Mm. If you hear a long speech from somebody who's a great orator, it's wonderful. But mm. you hear a long speech from somebody who's not a great, such a great orator, <laughs> it's forgettable. <laughs> well, how important do you think it is to have fun when you're leading? Because, I mean, you seem like the kind of person that really enjoyed it. I love it. I've loved it. I loved every minute. Uh, not, well, not every yep. minute. I mean, all jobs. There's sometimes yes. when your 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 job is to sweep up the donkey do right. I mean, it happens in all jobs. And but ninety uh, percent of the time, I loved it. I think it is important to have fun. Mm-hmm. For me, I can't do a job well unless I'm enthusiastic about it, unless mm-hmm. I'm engaged in it. But you also have to learn to find rewards in a different way. You know, when when you're a an engineer building something or you're a teacher in a classroom, the feedback is immediate. The student masters the material. You finish the project. I mean, when you're in a leadership position, much of the things that you helped helped enable are seen in recognition of others. Mm-hmm. You know, a student wins a major scholarship or an academic award. Faculty member wins the Nobel Prize. You have to make sure you feel good when that happens mm-hmm. because you helped – create and foster the institution that made it possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be able to feel at that moment, boy, this is great. Mm-hmm. And and my colleague here really did something terrific. But, you know, I had a small piece in <laughs> making that happen. <laughs> well, now that you're, te- you're, you're more or less teach, sounds like you're teaching leadership to students, mm-hmm. do you kind of miss doing the leading yourself or you're actually okay with just being now the outside coach and mentor? No, I'm okay. I've, I've done that piece of it and uh, I did it for a long time. I mean, I did academic leadership and the company stuff. I mean, that's probably between the two of them, it's probably 25 or 30 years. So that's fine. I don't need to be in that uh, position. Um, And I'd rather uh, enable this group of young people to benefit from what I've learned and others have learned. Um, And hopefully, you know, it's a big enough program. We have a, a, a magnification effect that hopefully can do some great things in the world. Well, it definitely sounds like there's plenty to teach in far as far as leadership, and it sounds like you know, I mean, it's, it seems like it's an important skill, and I'm sure you're finding that as you're teaching it. Yeah, and I think we were, uh, you know, when as as I developed this idea, we we were really motivated by what we thought as a giant void in leadership. Mm-hmm, Not mm-hmm. just the government's the most obvious one, mm-hmm, but look, we've had a lot of failure on the corporate mm-hmm. side as well, and um, you know, we, financial crisis. I mean, we've had lots of corporate. Things that are not where, let's say, um, we were not distinguished in the quality of our leadership <laughs> nationally, right? And even in the nonprofits, we've mm-hmm. even had problems in the in universities and nonprofit mm-hmm. sector. Mm-hmm. Well, that that just says to me we're not doing a, a great job in training the next generation. Do you see yourself writing another book? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think uh, I know you just finished this one. It's probably not. I just finished it. Yeah. So, um, but I, I might, I might do it at some point. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer that I, I don't want to write a book unless I really have something that I think is worth saying. So um, I have to get to the point where I have enough that's worth saying that it makes sense to write another book. That well, sounds good. Well, Professor Hennessy, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. And if you do decide to write that second book, you have to come back and tell me about it. Okay. Thank you, Richard. Delighted to talk to you. This is Richard Shu and John Hennessy. Thanks. <laughs>